chapter 10 today. Working our way through the book of John. Now we are on John chapter 10. Hey, question for everyone. Um, oh, children. That's right. See, I'm used to a fast song there and getting or whatever, or, or our meet and greet time. That's right. Kyle's like, dude, we need children. So all the children are free to go. They're adorable. I'm telling you. All right, question for everybody. Is there anyone here who has real life experience, like right now, um, as a shepherd? Anybody? Uh, nobody? I didn't think so. Um, I, I, didn't, I was kind of hoping that because otherwise it kind of blow everything out of the water. Um, I didn't think anybody was a real life shepherd with sheep um, today. And I would probably be willing to bet um, probably a very small percentage of people in America are actual shepherds. Um, for Americans, we really don't understand what it means to be a shepherd of sheep. Okay, you go to other countries, you may under you may understand that, but we as Americans, we don't get that. We don't understand what it means to be a shepherd and out there in a field with sheep. Well, it's ironic though, as Americans, we we don't know much about that. But when you read your Bible, guess what imagery you see a lot in the Bible: shepherds and sheep. Okay, you you see this imagery used, and and you see the idea of shepherds and sheep used metaphorically in so many ways. You know, here's just a few examples of of some scriptures talking about shepherds and sheep and stuff. In Psalm 100, it says, "Know that the Lord is God, and it is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture." Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Isaiah 53 says, we are all like sheep and have gone astray. Even in 1 Peter chapter 5, within the church, it talks about how elders are like shepherds and the people are, are the flock. What, what kind of flock? Sheep. Okay. So do me a favor. Everybody lift up your best voice and give me your best. Bah. Bah. That's what we are. All right. We are sheep. And, and we see this illustration throughout the Bible. We see it metaphorically given in so many different ways. Well, here in chapter 10, Jesus is doing that. He's using the, the, the imagery of shepherds and sheep and thieves and robbers and, and all of this. And he's using it in connection with chapter 9. Because if you remember in chapter 9 is when Jesus healed the blind man. And at the end of chapter 9, Jesus was talking to the blind man, but some Pharisees butted in and got into the conversation. And Jesus begins to have a conversation with them. Well, chapter 10, verses 1 through 21, is a continuation of that conversation. And so after Jesus had, was talking about what he was with in chapter 9, now he begins talking about sheep and shepherds, and, and flocks, and, and a sheepfold, and all of this stuff. And he's using it as an illustration for the nation of Israel. He, he's describing in, in, in a way, without coming out and saying it in the first 10 verses, that he's a shepherd, the people of Israel are sheep, and the Pharisees are like thieves and robbers. And, and he's using all of this. Now, in the context of chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, and, and I'm going to, I'm breaking up verses 1 through 21 into two messages, this week and next week. 
and I'm entitling it The Good Shepherd. And what we're going to see is even though Jesus is addressing these Pharisees in the context of the nation of Israel, there are still parallel applicational truths that you and I can pull out of here and use for us today. All right. And so that's what I want to look at. I want to see what applicational truths can we see here about Jesus being a good shepherd. And so here's the first thing. Write this down. Because Jesus is a good shepherd, he cares for us. Because he is a good shepherd, he will care for us. So now let's take a look at where we're at here in chapter 10. Starting in verse 1, Jesus again is talking to these Pharisees. And he says, truly, truly. Okay, pop quiz. Whenever Jesus says truly, truly, what is he saying? He's like, this is truth. And he's wanting them to, to listen up. He's like, what I'm about to say is very, 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 very important. And you better grasp it. And he says, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. All right. Again, there's some wording in there that for you and I, we may not understand. Okay. First, he says, he talks about this thing called a sheepfold. All right. This is what a sheepfold really looks like. Here's a picture of it. I know I have a picture. There we go. This is like a sheepfold right here. It would have been an area uh, that, that is blocked off by usually a stone wall. All right. And it was an area that contained the sheep and the sheep couldn't go anywhere. And, and there was only one door accessing the sheepfold. So you have sheep within this area. All right. This is what Jesus is describing right here to these Pharisees. He's like, there's a sheepfold and the sheepfold is the nation of Israel. And, the, and, and they are the people of Israel. And he's like, so you have the sheepfold. But notice what else he says here in the text. He says, if anyone does not enter the sheepfold by the door, the single door, okay, you got a wall, you got one door. He says, anybody who does not enter through that door is that that man is a thief and a robber. And he is looking at these Pharisees and those are the people he's talking to. He's like, he's like, there are people within this sheepfold, the nation of Israel, and you guys are acting like thieves and robbers. And I'll explain why here in a second. So he's telling these Pharisees, they're like thieves and robbers. But verse two, he says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Jesus is describing himself that he is the shepherd. And it says to him, the shepherd, the gatekeeper opens. Now, the gatekeeper, there were times where usually the shepherd is always the, the tender of the sheep. The shepherd is the one who oversees and watches over the sheep. But there were times where a gatekeeper was hired, a person who would guard the front of that, that gate, okay? And the gatekeeper would, would guard it so no one could go in except for one person. Who was that person? The shepherd. Okay, And so when the shepherd would show up, the gatekeeper would open up the gate and allow the shepherd to come in. And then the shepherd would lead the sheep out and bring them back in. This is what Jesus is describing to these Pharisees. All right, And he's describing what the nation of Israel is like, what the people are like. 
And now he is, he's describing the difference between the thieves and robbers and the shepherd. And there's one clear distinction about thieves and robbers and a shepherd, and it's this, how they regarded the sheep. Okay? That's it. Thieves and robbers, yes or no, thieves and robbers care for sheep. No. All right? Not at all. Their regard for the sheep is they are only going to make me money. That is the only thing that a, a, a thief and a robber is about. A thief and a robber will go over the wall. They won't go to the gate because they know they can't get in. So they go in and they steal the sheep. They steal the sheep for their own means. They kill the sheep. For, because they will, they will kill the sheep and strip off the, the wool so they can get, make money. They were in it for themselves. They only wanted to profit off the sheep for themselves. That's what the Pharisees were doing. And Jesus knew it. Jesus knew that these Pharisees did not care for the people. All right? Because they were hypocrites. Jesus kept telling them, you tell the people to act one way, but you act a different way. The Pharisees put undue burdens on the people and made them to act certain ways and behave certain ways when they wouldn't do it themselves. They lorded their authority and their leadership over the people. And Jesus knew, you don't care one bit about the sheep. You are thieves and robbers. But he, as the shepherd, was not like the thieves and the robbers. Yes or no? Shepherds care for the sheep. Yes. Okay? A shepherd cares for the sheep. It's the shepherd that looks after the sheep. It's the shepherd that watches over the sheep. It's the shepherd that protects the sheep. It's the shepherd that feeds the sheep, leads the sheep, guides the sheep. If one sheep is lost, it's a shepherd that goes and finds it and brings it back. The shepherd cares for the sheep. Jesus cares for the sheep. Raise your hand if you know who the sheep are. He cares for the people. You see, the Pharisees looked at certain people and they wouldn't go near them. The Pharisees looked at the prostitutes the tax collectors, the sinners, the sick, women, as people that you don't come around me. They puff themselves up and look down on those kind of people, not Jesus. Jesus went after the prostitutes. Jesus went to dinner with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus... Um, touched the people with leprosy to heal them. Jesus would bow down and stoop low to a paralyzed beggar, not a Pharisee, not a religious leader. Those people got talked to the hand. We're not going to engage with you. You see, Jesus cares for the sheep. And so guess who Jesus cares for today? You, because you're the sheep. He cares for you and for me. That's why in 1 Peter 5, 7, Peter says, cast your anxieties onto the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. He cares for you. He, 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 he watches over you, protects you, leads you, guides you. He cares for you. Jesus is a good shepherd. 
And when I know he's a good shepherd, I know he's taking care of me. He cares for the sheep. Here's the second thing. Because Jesus is the good shepherd, not only does he care, but here's the second thing. He knows us personally. He cares for the sheep, but he also knows the sheep personally. So again, look at verse 3. To him, the gatekeeper opens the door. The shepherd now is able to go in. And it says, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. The shepherd goes into the door, and he starts calling the sheep. But you notice it doesn't say he just calls the sheep and the sheep come. How does he call them? By name. How many of you know, how many of you have more than three animals in your house? (laughs) Okay, now you have pigs, don't you? Not anymore. But you used to have pigs, right? Um, Did you just call them the pigs? No. What what did you call them by? Daisy and Wilbur. Daisy and Wilbur. They are pigs. But yet, Hope and Harold are like, well, we're going to call one Daisy and we're going to call one Wilbur. Because that's what you do when you have a lot of animals. It doesn't, you, dogs, cats, birds, guinea pigs, gophers, horses, what, whatever. Okay. Some people have a house, house load of animals. And, and, and if you come over to their house, they don't go, hey, let me introduce you. Here's our animals. Here's our dogs. Here, no, no. They go, hey, let, let me introduce you to our, our two golden retrievers, Maverick and Goose. You like that one, don't you? Let, let me introduce you to our, our horse, Tomcat. You see where I'm going with all that? But you start naming the horses. You say, here's our cat, Rufus. You know, you just, every animal has a name. You don't just lump them all together and just call them the animals. Every animal has a name. In my study, I'm not a science or a sheepologist. I don't know much about shepherds and sheep, but from my studies, apparently, shepherds, no matter how many sheep they have, call them each by a name. And they know each sheep by name. And when they call them, they will call them by their name. And those sheep know the voice of their shepherd so well, they come when they're personally called. Jesus calls his sheep by name. He knows you by name. He knows you personally. He knows you intimately. Yes, we are part of the overall body of humanity, but he knows you by name. He just doesn't lump us as humans all together. Yes, he sees humanity as a sea, but he knows you personally. He cares for you personally. He knows you personally by name. 
Now, I thought about that for a moment. And I'm like, how in the world can he do that? I mean, there's billions and billions of people. I, I was just watching the news, I think, yesterday or today. I don't remember what day it was. But the new total is 8 billion people on the planet now. 8 billion. That's a lot. Um, I have trouble learning two people's names. All right. So how in the world can God and, and, and how can the Lord know you personally, intimately call you by name with 8 billion people? I don't know. The only verse I could come up with that is close to this is Psalm chapter 147, verses 4 and 5. It says, the Lord determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. So I I read that and I'm like, okay, if God has the power, his understanding has no limit and he is able to put the stars in place. I have a feeling there's a few more than 8 billion stars. He knows them each by name. Is it too far of a stretch then with 8 billion people that he would know you by name? Not even close. So if he knows the stars by name, guess what? He knows you by name. Don't try to figure it out because you can't. The only only answer is is this. His, His knowledge is unlimited. His understanding is unlimited. Why do we try to put a cap on it? It's unlimited. So if the Bible says that he calls me by name, I'm going to believe that. He knows you by name. He knows you personally. He knows every detail about you, every little significant thing about you. He knows you inside and out. He knows you better than you know yourself. Now, sometimes that can be kind of a scary thing to think about. Because think about, let me ask you this question. How many of you would love to have your life played on this screen right now? Oh, how about this? Just every good thing. Would that be okay? No. But what if your life was played on the screen, every public thing you've ever done, and every private thing you've ever done? But let's go a little farther. Every motive you've ever had. Every secret you have. Every thought you've ever had is played on the screen. If everybody could see everything you've ever done, every thought you've ever had, every dark secret that you've ever kept. Let me ask you, what do you think people would think about you? Do you think your friends would be like, I didn't know you were really like that. I didn't know you thought that way about me. You think people would walk away from you and reject you a little bit easier? I think so. I think all of a sudden we would have nobody around us because people would really see us who we are and they wouldn't want us. Jesus knows everything about you. He knows you personally. He knows you inside and out. He knows everything you've ever done, publicly and privately. He knows every motive you've ever had. He knows every one of your dark secrets. He knows every thought you've ever had. Kind of scary to think about. Now, here's where you and I go. We start thinking about that, and we think there's no way he would want me. 
If God, why, why would he want me? Jesus knows everything about us, but yet, despite that, he calls you by name. He still loves you. He still cares for you. He still watches over you. He doesn't reject you. He doesn't turn away from you. He doesn't write you off. We may think that. We may think God can't love me because if God, if you, I mean, we think if you truly knew me and saw me, you wouldn't want to be around me. Why would God want to be? He doesn't view us on a human level. He views us from his level and his level is I know you, but I still love you. I know you, but I still care for you. I know you, but I still call you by name. That's a great truth. So often we want to run from God, but God's like, he keeps calling us. He's calling us by name. Hey, come to me. Come, come. And he calls us and he wants to call us into a deeper relationship with him. He knows us personally because he is a good shepherd. He knows us personally and he calls us by name. Here's the third thing. Because Jesus is a good shepherd, he brings us out of bondage. He brings us out of bondage. And so again, in verse three, it says, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. And here it is. And he leads them out. He leads them out. Bring up that picture again, if you would, Edwin. Let me ask you, are the sheep truly free in that enclosure? No. I mean, sure, they can run around a little bit in that enclosure, but are they truly free? No. They are bound in that enclosure. They, they can't roam they don't have the freedom to run around and, and go where they want. They are in an enclosure and they are bound into that enclosure. They can't get out. And Jesus is saying, when he is saying, I call my sheep by name, he's talking about the people and he goes, I lead them out. What he's talking about is I am trying to lead these people that you Pharisees have enclosed that you have bound up with religion and rules and all these regulations and all this burden, I want to lead them out of it. I want to take them out of the prison and bring them into a fine and bigger pasture. This is what Jesus does. This is his calling. He has come to get us out of bondage, to get us free. The book of Luke, chapter 4, says it the best. Jesus says it like this. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. To proclaim good news to the poor. He's talking about people who are spiritually poor, spiritually bankrupt, have nothing to give. He's proclaimed that good news to those poor people. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. You see, we are prisoners to sin, and Jesus has come to proclaim that freedom from the prison of sin. He's come to, to give recovery of sight to the blind. 
spiritually blind people, people who don't understand. And he wants to set those free who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see, that's why Jesus has come. Did you have, do we have that verse? Can you bring that verse up? There it is. Nope, Luke, there it is. Nope, Luke, there it is. But I love this, to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to recover sight of the blind, to set those who are oppressed free. You see, we as people, we speak contrary to what God says. You see, we say we are alive, but the Bible says, no, you're spiritually dead. We say, I can see, but the Bible says, no, you are spiritually blind. We say, I am right, and the Bible says, no, you are a sinner. You see, we think we have it all together, and God says, no, you don't. You are broken, poor, pitiful, naked, blind. That is who we are. But Jesus is like, I have come to get you and to come and to bring you out. To bring you out of the bondage, to bring you out of the oppression. He wants to free us from the prison of sin. He wants us to come to the place where if we're in darkness, we can come into his light. If we are spiritually blind, we hear the truth and we become spiritually awake. If we are oppressed and feel like, you know, just life just keeps beating us up over and over. He wants to step in and be that life and that source for us. Why? Because he's the good shepherd. And he wants to lead us out of the bondage. He wants to lead us out of the oppression. He wants to lead us out of the blindness and out of the hurt and the pain. Because he is the good shepherd. Here's the fourth thing. Because he is the good shepherd, he leads us with the truth of his word. He leads us with the truth of his word. So in verse four, it says, when he has, when he has, brought, out all his, when he has brought, brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of a stranger. How many voices are mentioned in that verse? Two, the shepherds and a stranger, okay? So Jesus says, when I bring out my sheep, when I call them out, when I'm leading them, because you notice he goes, I go before them. Jesus doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't beat the sheep, he leads the sheep. And the way the sheep follow is because they know his voice. He spends time with the sheep. He takes care of the sheep. And the more the sheep hear his voice, they know which way to go. They know who to follow and who not to follow. So if there is a stranger that begins to call the sheep, Jesus says they'll flee from that because they know what that's not right. That's not our shepherd. That's not the voice that we know. So we're not going to follow that voice. But when the shepherd speaks, they know it. And when he calls them, they will follow him because they know his voice. Now, what does that have to do with you and me? Because there are two voices buying for you and me. The voice of the Lord, the voice of the culture. The voice of Christ and the voice of the world. Two voices. Now, which one we follow is going to be dependent upon which one do we really know. 
Which one? Because the sheep know the shepherd because the sheep are with the shepherd. The, more, the longer the sheep are with the shepherd, the more they're with the shepherd, they know his voice. So the, the voice that we listen to is going to be dependent upon which one do I spend more time with? The voice of Christ or the voice of the culture? Now, the, way, the, the, the primary voice of, of Christ that you and I hear will be through the word of God. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have the promptings of the Holy Spirit within our spirit, okay? We know that the Holy Spirit does speak to us, and we, we, we sense those promptings, and, and there are times where God will speak to us through somebody else, and we, we hear that. But the primary way that God will speak to you is through his word, through the written word of God, all right? The written word of God is, the, is, is, is what God has to say in written form. And so when we read the word, when we study the word, when you hear the word preached, guess what you are doing at that time? Hearing the voice of God. Because have you ever read like, uh, like something in the Bible and it just seems to jump off the page at you? Like you've, you could have you read a passage of scripture a hundred times and then one day you read it and it just like, boom! You're like, wow, I don't think I've ever read that before. And it just speaks to your heart. That's the voice of the Lord speaking to you. Or you ever hear a message like maybe from me or another pastor and you're like, man, Jim is just, just speaking right to me today. How did he know that was going on in my life? How did, he's like he's been rummaging through my garbage because you're hearing the voice of the Lord speak to you. The Lord takes his word and uses it to speak to our hearts. And so the more I spend in God's word, I'm reading it, I'm studying it, coming to church to hear it. The more I'm doing that, the more I hear his voice. So guess what? So when I hear the truth of God's word, when the lie of the culture and the lies of the world begin to come in, guess which one I will listen to more because I'm listening to Often, if I'm listening to the word of God more, reading the word of God more, that's the one I will follow. That's the one when the culture is saying, this is the way, walk in it. I'll be going, no, this is the way. God tells me the way to go, and that's the way I will walk in it. But if I'm spending less time in the word of God, I'm not reading the word. I'm not studying the word. I'm, I, I don't hardly come to church. The word of God, the voice of God is going to be very small. And the culture is going to be very loud. Because if I'm spending all my time, you know, on all the social media, I'm listening to the news all the time, I'm listening to what, the, what famous people have to say, if those are the only voices I'm hearing, then guess what I'm following? That. Jesus says, the more you know the shepherd, the more you know his voice. And the more you know his voice the easier it becomes to follow him. And so we need to be in the word. We need to be studying it, reading it, hearing it, and knowing that he's leading us through the truth of his word. And then lastly, number five, because Jesus is a good shepherd, he provides us with salvation, security, and satisfaction. He provides us with salvation, security, and satisfaction. Now look at verse six. 
after Jesus had said all this about the sheep and the shepherd and the thieves and everything, look at verse 6. It says, This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. I find that ironic that here he is in Jesus' time, shepherding would have been, it was a common practice, it was a common job. You know, that would have been like asking people around here, hey, do you know what a, a farmer does with corn? We'd be like, uh, yeah, I mean, he plants it and picks it. And he, we, we know what these Pharisees were like, what do you mean? I don't get it. I don't think it's because they didn't understand. It's because they didn't want to understand. They didn't want to hear truth from Jesus. And so their eyes and Jesus kept telling these people, you guys are blind. Your ears are stuffed. You, you don't, you're not hearing. You're not seeing. You don't, you don't want to understand. And he's giving them a simple illustration that in their time, they would have understood what a shepherd was, what sheep were, what a sheepfold was. They would understand that, yeah, thieves go in to steal the sheep. It would have been a no-brainer. But these highly intelligent religious people looked at Jesus and said, we don't get it. Because they didn't want to get it. It's no different for you and me. A lot of times we hear spiritual truth and we say, well, I don't understand. It's because we don't want to understand. We don't want to get it. And then in verse 7, it's Jesus once again, he says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now he's switching metaphors. All right, he, he's going to go, go between door and sheep throughout these texts. But now he's saying, I am the door of the sheep. He, he's that one single door going into the sheepfold, that one door. Verse 8, he says, all who come before me are thieves and robbers. He's talking about the Pharisees, all the Pharisees before him. He says, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Now, in the analogy with sheep and everything, what he's talking about when he says we'll be saved with sheep, he's talking about we'll be saved from predators. But in the spiritual context, he's talking about eternal salvation. He's talking about the reality and the truth that there is only one door to eternal salvation. There's only one door to eternal life, and that one door is through him. He is the door. And it's almost like he keeps hammering. He just hammers that nail very hard. I am the door. I am the door. And all who come through me shall be saved. You see, that's what you and I need to, I don't know about you, but sometimes I love to just, I'll be praying and I'm just like, God, thank you that I don't have to wonder if my good is outweighing my bad. I'm really grateful there aren't many doors because I don't know if, if, if at the end of my life, if I were to truly be honest, if my good would, would be enough. Because, man, I've done, before I was ever saved, I did a lot of bad things. And so I have to wonder, has my good been enough? I don't know. How do I know I've been kind enough to people? How do I know I've been religious enough? How do I know if I'm, I'm following the right religious leader? There's so, I mean, people who say there are many paths to God, to me is a scary thing because how do you know you're on the right path? How do you know you've done enough? 
I mean, I mean, is eternity, I mean, are we really shooting craps with this thing? Are we rolling the dice and hoping for a seven or 11? I, or do we want to choose one door and go, you know what? I want to make sure. And I'm going to choose the one door that is absolute. And I'm going to put my faith in Christ. And that's what each and every one of us have got to do. You've got to put your faith in Christ. When Jesus becomes your savior alone, when you come to the place where you're like, I can't do that. I can't, I can't earn my salvation. I can't merit my salvation. I can't do enough good works. I can't be religious enough. I can't be spiritual enough. I can't do anything. The only thing I'm going to do, Jesus, I'm putting all my eggs in your basket, and I'm going to trust you. And I will believe in you. And I'm going to believe that through faith in you, I will be justified. And I will have eternal life. Through Jesus because he's that good shepherd, because he is the door, we have salvation. But then also within that line, he gives us security. Because as you see, it says, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. So Jesus is now, he, he's like, I am the door. But notice in the picture that we had, it was an enclosure and the sheep were in, they weren't really free. But Jesus is saying, I'm going to provide a door that's not going to put you in bondage, but it's going to give you an open pasture, freedom. You know, in ancient times, again, something we don't understand is cities would have huge walls around them, okay? And, and that wall was to protect the city from enemies. So if an enemy came up against that, that city and began to siege it, the people, all the doors on the walls were closed. The people could not leave the city. It wasn't safe. They wouldn't be protected. And so they had to stay in the enclosure of the city under attack. But as long as that city was in peace, the doors of the wall were open and the people were free to go in and out because they were secure to do it. There was nothing to be afraid of. Jesus is telling us that in him, because he's the good shepherd, you and I are secure. You are free to go in and out. You walk this life as if you were walking in a nice green pasture. And there's no enemies. Because they've got to think of the sheep analogy. And when he says, I'm going to lead you into a pasture where you can walk in and out. What he's talking about, as a sheep, there's no wolves. There are no thieves. There are no robbers. And you can have the confidence of knowing my shepherd is taking care of me. That sheep feels secure because there's nothing to harm them. There's no, my shepherd is with me and he's, he's taking care of me. If Jesus is my good shepherd, why can't we trust him? I mean, we just read a verse that says that God knows every star in the sky by name. And great is his power. If he knows every star by name and he knows you by name, why do we feel so insecure? Why do we feel like, oh, I don't know if God's coming through this time? Why, why do we get so shaken up when, when we're faced with a trial that all of a sudden we lose our faith? Why all of a sudden do we just start to lose it and go, well, I don't know if God's showing up this time. 
You see, the security that Jesus gives us as the good shepherd is this. I may not understand. I may not know the why. I may not know how this is going to work out. I don't know when this is going to work out. I don't know what God will do in this, but I trust him. He is my shepherd. He is my good shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by quiet waters. I'm a sheep. I'm, I'm, I'm the sheep of his pasture. And, and if Jesus says, look, I'm going to, if you, if you've come through my door and I'm your savior, you will walk in and out securely because I will take care of you and he will be with us and he will watch over us. He will protect us. He, his sovereignty will allow what he needs in our life. And he will do what is perfectly right and perfectly good. The question is, is can you and I trust him? Can you be secure enough to go, you know what? I believe in my savior and I trust in my shepherd. So Jesus provides us with salvation, security, and he also provides us with satisfaction. Look at verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. If Jesus is the ultimate good shepherd, Satan is the ultimate thief. And he just uses people to do his bidding. But he is the ultimate thief. And as the ultimate thief, it says that he only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What he wants to do is not possess your home. He, he's not about... You know, you know, paranormal activity. What he wants to do is steal your relationship with God. He, he wants to destroy and kill your faith. He wants to destroy and kill your security in Christ. He wants to keep you bound up with oppression. He wants to keep you bound up in bondage. He wants to keep you in your sin. He wants to keep you from trusting God. He wants, to, he wants you to quit and give up on God. And he will do everything he can to bring into your life and show you why you can't trust God. Remember I said that God knows everything, all your dirty little secrets. Guess who else knows? Satan knows everything about you too. He knows your dirty secrets. He knows the pain in your life. He knows the loss and the hurt. And guess what he does? As the thief and who steals and kills and destroys, he takes your pain and he uses it against you. He takes the loss and uses it against you. He takes your fears. He takes your desires. He takes everything and he twists it and he uses it against you so he can steal you away from God and destroy your faith. Because if he can destroy your faith, listen, what's the greatest job? Two, two things that he, can, he wants to do. He wants to keep people from coming to know Christ and he wants to keep people from growing in Christ. If he can keep you blind and spiritually dead, he'll keep you there. But if, he, but if you come to know Christ, he will do everything he can to keep you from growing in Christ. And so your, 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 your trials and the storms and the pain, 
the greatest victory he can have is to use that pain and the trial and to convince you God is not good. Jesus is not a good shepherd. Why do you continue to follow him? Why do you continue to listen to him? Why do you continue to believe in him? Walk away. And how many Christians do that all the time? They get fed up with the trial. They get fed up with the pain. They get fed up with, well, if God's not showing up, I don't want this anymore. And he, they walk away. And, G, and uh, the ultimate thief has his reward because he's taken a sheep and he stole it, he destroyed it, and he killed it. And it's no longer with God. You see, that's what Satan wants to do. But Jesus says in verse 10, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Life. All right? Now, this verse has been distorted in so many different ways that you see God, you see God wants to have you have the abundant life. And what they do is they automatically gear that toward he wants you to be rich and he wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to have all this stuff. He wants you to, have, to always be healthy. That is not what that verse means. Because there are a lot of people who have the health and the wealth and the prosperity and they are still a spiritual mess. Jesus is about the interior, not the exterior. This life and life abundantly is not about possessions and having more, more materialism, more materialistic. That's not even what that means. What that means is the abundant life is everything that he says, salvation and security. How many, I don't know about you, Jesus says you can get the entire world but still lose your soul. The abundant life is I may not have anything in this world, but if I have Christ, I have everything because that's the ultimate goal. That's the abundant life. If I have Christ and I know him as my savior, I know him as my shepherd, isn't it an abundant life? Let me ask you, what's more abundant? To be secure in knowing who I am and what I have in Christ, to know that he's guarding me and watching me and cares for me, or to have more money and always live in fear and anxiety and not sure what's going on. The abundant life is Jesus as my all in all. My, that abundant life is grabbing hold of who Jesus is. It's trusting him when I don't have the answer. That's the, that's the satisfaction is knowing, Jesus, you have me. Jesus, you've got my life. I may not know how or why or when and all the answers, but Jesus, you do. You've got the answers. So I can lay my head on my pillow at night and know you're going to lead me the next morning. And I'm going to trust you, Jesus, that you're going to lead me all the way through this life. And then when these eyes close for the final time, you're going to lead me into the throne room of God. And you're going to lead me into his presence. That, my love, that, loved ones, is the abundant life. And you can have all this world can give you, but if, you have, if you're always anxious and miserable, you're always feeling oppressed, you're always feeling like, man, I just, like, do you really, are you really abundant life? Or you may not have a lot, but it is well with my soul. And I'm okay. I'm okay because I know my good shepherd has me today. Amen? Let's all stand and get ready to close. If you would, just bow your heads with me.
Jesus, thank you that you are our good shepherd. Jesus, thank you that you care for us. You know us by name. Thank you, Jesus, that we have salvation and security and satisfaction in you. Jesus, thank you. You are our all in all. And Lord, I just want to pray for everyone in here. I just pray, God, help us to know Jesus as the good shepherd. Help us to know that our shepherd is going to take care of us and provide for us. Let us know that our shepherd is sovereign over our life and he will lead and guide us into an open field that is best for us. God, we may not have all the answers. We may not know the whys and the how comes and when is it going to work out and where is it going to come from. Lord, we may not know a lot. We, might, we may not know if we, when or if we will be healed. We, know, we may not know where the finances will come from. We may not know if that child, when that child's coming back. Lord, there's a lot of things going on in our lives that we don't have the answers to. But we trust in our shepherd. We look to our shepherd to lead and guide us, to call us out, to lead us out of the oppression, to lead us out of the bondage. And Lord, give us that peace that only you can give. And let us trust you and know that you are working all things for the good of those whom you love. So we praise you this morning, God. We just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.